0: Al-Bayan Radio presents The Life of Prophet Muhammad, Peace be upon him Presented by Nidal Ayyubi Welcome once again my dear brothers to our Seerah classes Last week we spoke about the birth of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam We spoke about his early years and his breastfeeding mothers And we spoke about how his chest was opened And we also spoke how he was returned to his mother and his mother dying when he was six years old Then he was in the care of his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib and his grandfather died when he was eight and he <coughs> went into the care of his uncle, Abu Talib This is what we stopped off last week So now the Prophet وسلم, He's a young man, or a young, a young teenager we can say He's twelve, thirteen years old and our topic for today will be from this period until almost a revelation So we'll be speaking about his early life in Mecca. So when the Prophet was around twelve years old, Abu Talib decided to take him on a trading journey to Syria. And on the way, it's mentioned that they passed by a monk who his name was Bahira Al-Rahib. And he was a learned person. And he knew that there was a Prophet coming from the Arabs. And he noticed something special in the Prophet Muhammad. He questioned him about his life and about his affairs, in which it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ replied. Abu Hira, he went up to his uncle Abu Talib and told him, take him back to Mecca. Don't proceed, for he may be harmed. Because he was scared for the life of the Prophet. ﷺ. Now, Bahira was a learned man with plenty of experience and he had encountered many different people. He noticed immediately that there was something unique about the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, and he recognized. The signs of prophethood in him, and he's, he's going to be someone important in his future. So, he did not want the Romans and/or the Jews at that time to harm him who were in uh, the Sham area there. Now, this story of the Prophet meeting the monk, Bahira, and going on this trade journey is one which is disputed over by the ulama. Some of them weaken it, like in dhahabi Dahabi, and others say it's authentic. So, Allah knows best. Now, the next thing we'd like to speak about is something called Harbul fijar This is basically the, the, how can we say, the impious wars or the war of wickedness. And this is because it took place during the sacred months. Even to the Arabs then, before Islam, it was forbidden to fight during this time. And this, as it's been mentioned, allowed them to do business with each other in peace and also allowed the pilgrims to travel safely to perform the pilgrimage uh, during the months of the pilgrimage. So it's mentioned that when the Prophet ﷺ was around 15 to 20 and some say the reason why they say 15 to 20 is the war took a few years. The war took a few years and it was between Quraysh uh, with their allies uh, Banu Kinana on one side and, and Qais Ilan on the other side. Uh, a war started over something trivial as mentioned. One of them was killed and they started fighting each other and it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ, in some reports had a very, very minor role in this war and that was to assist his uncles by picking up the arrows of the enemy and handing them to his uncles. A short time later, something happened as well, an important incident during the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam before prophethood and that is something called Hilf al-Fudul. And there are authentic reports regarding that. Hilf al-Fudul is an alliance based on justice. And it's mentioned that it happened one to four months after uh, Harbul Fijar. And this is when a man from outside Mecca, who had no links there, from Yemen, and he sold some valuable goods. And the Meccan from, from pious lineage and, and family, a nobleman we can say, ripped him off, as we say today. He didn't give him anything for it. And it's mentioned in some reports that this man is Al As bin Wa'il. So this man had no help, no family in Mecca. So what did he decide to do? He went up to a Jabal, a mountain, and it's mentioned that this mountain was called Jabal Abu Qubais. And he shouted poetry. Poetry, in Jahiliyyah especially, was the top of media. He made lines of poetry about him being ripped off, and this caused issues in in, in Mecca. And then a a group of the noblemen got together. In the house of Abdullah ibn Jud'an. And they decided that it was necessary that no one be ripped off in Mecca. Preserve the the justice in Mecca. Uh, They decided it was necessary to work out a system to prevent violence and injustice. And to protect the rights of the weak and the poor. And they, they went to the Kaaba and made a pact, an agreement, an alliance from this moment on. And they stood united against any oppression in Mecca. We know, my dear brothers, that justice is a universal rule amongst all people. Muslims and Kuffar. And we see here, the Prophet ﷺ, he took part in this hilf, in this alliance. And which shows that the Prophet ﷺ, even from a young age, he stood for justice. He stood for al-adl. And this is something that all Muslims, we should stand for. With Muslims and non-Muslims. And he said, Sallallahu لَقَدْ شَهِدْتُ فِي دَارِ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ إِبْنِ جُدْعَانِ حِلْفًا لَوْ دُعِيتُ بِهِ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ لَأَجَبْتُوا he said, I, I was present in the house of Abdullah bin Judan where an excellent pact happened, and I would not exchange it. If now in Islam, if I was summoned to it, I would gladly respond. And it's mentioned in other reports, and I would not exchange my part in it for the best type of red camels which was, which was from the most precious things to the Arabs back then. So this shows the Prophet, ﷺ, even from a young age, he stood for Justice Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When the Prophet was still young, Abu Talib, although he was from the most noble of men, he was struggling financially. He had many, many mouths to feed and he was struggling financially. He was going, we can say, through a financial crisis and he wasn't doing too well. So the Prophet, to help his uncle, he started working as a shepherd. And this is something that all prophets did. The Prophet said, Every prophet Allah sent herded sheep. And the companions even asked, What anta and you? He said, Naam. Even me, I herded them for Kararit, for the people of Mecca, as is mentioned in Sahih bukhari In Abu al he says, Kararit has two meanings. It's either a place where you herded the sheep there, or it is a, a unit of money, a portion of the, uh, dinars or dirhams. Wallahu a'lam. Now, why a shepherd and why sheep? The shepherd picks up many, many skills. Many many skills and develops many wonderful qualities, and the Prophet he needed these qualities, as the had mentioned, to prepare him for leading the ummah. And a shepherd picks up patience, humbleness, bravery, mercy and compassion. You know, you might get some one of the sheep sick, weak. He has to look after it, look after his interests, ability to deal with hardship, and also the love of earning a halal income. And this is something that the Prophet ﷺ from a young age displayed. And in a hadith found in Bukhari, it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ said, No one has eaten better food than that which he that which eats from his own hand. And verily, the Prophet of Allah Daud would eat from the works of his own hand. It's mentioned in Bukhari. So the most beloved earning is that which you earn with your own hand. And even the Prophet Dawud would do that. He alayhi salam as the Prophet ﷺ said, the Prophet they would eat from the work of his own hand. Now why are you mentioning the Prophet would here? It's interesting. If you think about it, he was from the kings then, a prophet. And he had wealth, but he would eat from the wealth of his own hand. What he earned through his own works and doings. That's why it's blessed, uh, it is uh, re- rewarding and virtuous to earn a living with the works of your own hand. Uh, earning a living through halal means and feeding your family and giving tadaqa from it it's one of the best things that a person can do another thing the prophet ﷺ started to get into is he became more involved in trade just like his uncle or uncles and he, his reputation spread that he was very trustworthy and honest and this became known by a lady whose name was Khadija bint Khuwailid there's many reports how she, that she offered him to work for her but he worked for her one time and he took some of her goods and <laughs> along this journey khadija's slave went whose name was may Sarah. and to cut a long story short it was the most she made from a uh, business trip because khadija was a wealthy woman she was a widow at that time and she used to send men to do trade on her behalf so the prophet ﷺ came back and it was a blessed experience and may Sarah reported many things to khadija and she was very happy with the prophet ﷺ and she saw qualities in him amazing qualities and she was told about amazing things uh, about him وسلم, through her, her slave. Now Khadija at that time was twice widowed and she was known as a Tahira, the pure one. And all the men of Mecca basically, the noble men wanted to marry her. She was the most noble of women in Mecca. But she wanted to marry the Prophet after she saw all these qualities, these amazing things. So it's mentioned that either she made the proposal herself or she sent one of her friends, Nafisa, to propose marriage to the Prophet Sallallahu And they married, yeah, it's mentioned that her father married her after the Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam and other reports mention that her father died before the Harb al uh, the one we just spoke about, and one of her uncles married her to the Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam. Now she was the mother of all his children except Ibrahim. Which brings us to how old were they? Prophet Sallallahu it's mentioned in the most common reports is that he was 25 years old. And the most common report regarding Khadija is that she was 40 years. This is what many of the ulama said, but others like Ibn Kathir say it's more likely she was between 25 to 28. And also they use that it is more, uh, how can we say, uh, more acceptable to think that she would have had six children, as we're going to discuss in this age bracket than her having the children later into her fifties. Wallahu a'lam. So we learn many, many things from the experience of the Prophet marrying Khadija. Is that a woman can offer herself in marriage, number one. Number two, there's nothing wrong with marrying an older lady if she has the qualities. And Khadija obviously was the best of women. As the Prophet said, many men have reached perfection, but only four have from the woman. Khadija is one of them. And the other three are... Asiya, the wife of Fir'aun, Fatima bint Muhammad, and Maryam, the mother of Isa alayhi salam. And there's other reports about the virtues of Aisha compared to the rest of the people. So no doubt Khadija was the best woman of her time. And even many other the said she's the best woman of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu And there is a discussion whether she's the best or Aisha is the best. Wallahu alam. Now Khadija anha, she has many virtues. And from them is that the Prophet وسلم, one time he was at home. And Jibreel came to him and told him, here's Khadijah coming with a plate of food for you. Jibreel says, give her my salam and the salam from her Lord and inform her of a mansion in paradise where there is no more noise and no more toil. So basically she was given the glad tidings of Jannah. And even after she passed away, which shows how much Prophet Sallallahu loved her, he used to mention her in good. He used to send gifts to her friends. It's mentioned that when he slaughtered an animal, he would, he would uh, chop it up into manageable pieces and send it to her friends. And this is from the Sunnah as well. If you have a loved one, especially parents, after they pass away from goodness, is to do good to their close friends and, uh, and, and allies. Once Aisha got jealous from Khadija, even she had died many years before. She said, Why do you mention her? She was an old lady who passed away. Allah replaced her with someone better. Imagine that. So, you know, us husbands today, you know, with a new wife, you just take it, take the hit. Did the Prophet take it? He said, no, by Allah, there's no one better. We're not going to mention our hadith. He said something which is amazing and shows one of the main qualities of, of a pious woman is that she supported him when no one else would. Financially, physically, when he would come back, as we're going to discuss, she would also always reassure him. Good words, support him. This is what is needed in, in today's households, a supportive wife. Khadija, as well, what many don't know is that she was quite close to the Prophet ﷺ in terms of lineage. She meets with the Prophet ﷺ at Qusay, meaning they share Qusay as a grandfather. So you have Khadija, bint Khuwaylid, ibn Asad, bin Abdul Uzza, ibn Qusay. And you have Muhammad, bin Abdullah, bin Abdul Muttalib, bin Hashim, bin Abdul Manaf, bin Qusay. And there's another wife of his. Who meets at Qusay, meaning she has a grandfather Qusay as well. But she links with the Prophet Sallallahu even one level before. Anyone know who she is? Um Habiba. And she's the daughter of Abu Sufyan bin Harb. Who becomes a leader later on of the Quraysh. Then becomes Muslim later on as well. So this is Khadija radiallahu anha. She was the first person to believe in the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, as we can discuss later on. She offered his support. And he did not marry any other woman whilst she was alive. Wallahu alam wa sallam wa Muhammad wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. feekum for listening. wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Albayyan Radio, the voice of al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.